Riding the Red Wave A Visit from Aunt Flo That time of the month There is no shortage of subtle ways to imply that you're talking about your period. My name is Rachel Dice, and I'm here to talk to you about a subject that society generally tends to avoid. Welcome to the first episode of Let's Talk Periods, Tackling Menstrual Stigma and Period Poverty. I was inspired to talk about menstruation in this podcast because I, as well as every menstruating person I know, is affected by stigma. I've personally experienced the shame associated with having my period and feeling like it wasn't an acceptable subject to discuss out loud, especially when I was in middle and high school. The root of what I want to address in this episode is the common experience of menstruation around the world and how, to fundamentally solve this issue, Menstruation needs to become something that can be openly discussed and isn't subject to shame. Ideally, menstrual products would be free and readily accessible, and no menstruating individual would ever have their daily life, education, or mental health disrupted by their period. Menstruation is a highly stigmatized phenomenon shrouded in euphemisms and inequality. Women and menstruators everywhere are affected by the stigma surrounding their body's natural functionality, but period poverty is also a highly pervasive issue that can drastically impact someone's daily life. In this podcast, I will attempt to start a conversation around this invisible issue that is hardly spoken about openly. I will be examining the conditions surrounding menstrual health, menstrual education and stigma, and menstrual product affordability and availability, focusing on a few regions of interest. There is a severe gap in the availability and affordability of menstrual products around the world. People who are most affected by menstrual health inequities are typically disadvantaged in other ways as well, such as being low-income or houseless, living in rural communities with fewer opportunities for socioeconomic advancement, and having a reduced access to education, and this has only been exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, let's define some key terms around this issue. Menstruation, put simply, is the shedding of the uterine lining each month. A menstruator's body prepares for pregnancy monthly, but if no pregnancy occurs, blood and tissue that would have been vital in supporting a pregnancy exit the body. This bleeding typically lasts for about four to seven days. Period poverty is defined as an inadequate access to menstrual hygiene tools and education including, but not limited to, sanitary products, washing facilities, and waste management by the American Medical Women's Association. It occurs when menstruators are not financially capable of affording menstrual products and thereby may experience discrimination or miss out on other aspects of their life, such as work or education. Stigma is a level of disgrace stemming from one's condition and can be placed on a menstruator by both those close to them and society at large. It can result in feelings of shame and embarrassment, as well as reduced participation in work, activities, or school. I will also be using the term menstruator at times in this episode in order to encourage gender inclusivity and recognize that people who identify as a gender other than female also experience menstruation. Some countries around the world are seeing immense progress in taking steps to reduce the prevalence of period poverty and combat stigma. 
For example, as of May 3rd, the Irish branch of grocery store chain Little will be offering Irish girls and women access to free sanitary products through their app each month. In late 2020, the Scottish Parliament voted unanimously to provide free period products to individuals in need. Here is a clip of that landmark decision. Thank you, Presiding Officer. Today, the Scottish Parliament has taken a, an important step to protect in law the good work already put in place uh, by the Scottish Government and others. And I thank members for their many excellent contributions to the debate and the reflections on the importance of access to free period products. It's clear that everyone in this chamber agrees that no one in our society should have to suffer the indignity of not having the means to meet their basic needs and that being able to access period products is fundamental to equality and to dignity. And this legislation shows what can be done when the entire parliament recognises a need for action and to build on cross-party consensus and collaborative work. It has been an example of this parliament at its best. And Despite progress in some parts of the world, the situation is quite different in other nations. One in five low-income women around the world report missing school or work due to a lack of menstrual supplies. Low-income women may even be forced to use rags, clothes, toilet paper, or even plastic bags to manage their period. Now, let's move into the first case study. In India, only 12 to 36 percent of women are able to access sanitary products and experience harsh cultural consequences when on their period, such as being banned from religious activities and the belief that they would spoil food if they prepare or touch it while menstruating. There are also severe gaps in sex education in India, so women and menstruators are not educated about their bodies and are thereby more likely to experience complications such as reproductive tract infections related to poor menstrual hygiene. Here is a clip from New Delhi Television about the dangers of poor menstrual hygiene and period poverty in rural India. Poor menstrual hygiene can cause fungal infections, reproductive tract infection, and urinary tract infection. Unhygienic practices also leave women vulnerable to infertility. Further poor protection and inadequate washing facilities may increase susceptibility to infection and contributes significantly to female morbidity. Awareness on basic health and feminine hygiene is very low, with 75% rural women lacking adequate knowledge on menstrual hygiene and care. I think it has actually a, a quite a pervasive uh, influence. It, it affects our health uh, very directly because of certain taboos and restrictions. Uh, girls may not, for example, be able to change their menstrual absorbent as frequently as they want to. It impacts whether they uh, dispose it off by throwing it, by burning it, by burying it. So it even impacts like disposal practices. Shocking data. Less than 15% of Indian women use sanitary napkins and 88% of menstruating women in India use alternatives like old fabric, rags, sand, ash, wood shavings, newspapers, dried leaves and plastics. Expanding menstrual education, particularly for low-income communities in India, would really help to lessen the occurrence of this problem. One solution for the lack of menstrual products in rural and low-income communities is decreasing the high cost of menstruating over time by providing reusable products. However, there is a barrier to this solution in many areas of the world. 
Water scarcity is a hugely prevalent phenomenon in many nations today, including India. Water scarcity poses the challenge to reusable period products because if there isn't even enough clean drinking water in a region, it would be very difficult to find the water necessary to clean products. This means that in rural and low-income communities where water scarcity is an issue, it's important to explore other options. Ensuring that schools and other community centers have a supply of menstrual products would be another way to make sure that menstruators are able to fully participate in their daily lives, even when on their period. It's also integral to educate against prevalent cultural taboos common throughout many parts of the world that aren't unique to India. A common attitude is that periods are dirty and menstruators are unclean during their cycle. Expanding education must happen in conjunction with the provision of products in order to protect menstruators' health and dignity. Promoting proper sanitation has been a key priority for the Indian government in the past decades. In 2014, the government launched the Swash Bharat Mission, a countrywide campaign to encourage toilet use. Nearly 110 million toilets were constructed between 2014 and 2019 by the government. Educators were sent to rural regions to educate communities about the project and sanitation generally. Celebrities promoted the mission on television in order to increase visibility, and there was even a Bollywood movie about toilet use. This program was massive and countrywide, reaching a huge proportion of the population. This same energy could potentially be applied to educating the public about the realities of menstruation and providing period products to citizens who can't afford them. This level of exposure would likely encourage destigmatization and bring discussions of menstruation into the open in a country where menstruators often have to hide all evidence of their cycle. Next, let's move on to the second case study, the United States. So in the United States, sales tax is levied state by state, and each state decides if it wants to have a sales tax, what it wants to exempt from sales tax, and usually it's food and prescription medication. I think we'd all agree food is a necessity. Same thing with prescription medication. Probably most of us quickly say, sure, if you need a life-saving medication, it should be as affordable as possible. But it happens that Rogaine is a prescription medication. It raises some questions about what kind of parameters we're putting around how we define a necessity and who's making that call. The issue is that where states have the ability to call things a necessity and provide an exemption to make them more affordable, they've somehow left tampons and pads off the table. So while I was doing tampon tax advocacy, I thought it would be important to demonstrate the kinds of items that states have chosen to exempt from sales tax. Cowboy boots in Texas, tax exempt. Barbecued sunflower seeds in Illinois. Gun club memberships in Wisconsin. Mardi Gras beads in Louisiana are tax exempt. The list kind of goes on and on. And when potato chips make the cut and tampons don't, I get kind of mad. That was a clip from the CBS News documentary, The Bloody Truth About Period Poverty in America. In the US, 25 million women live in poverty, but food stamps don't cover menstrual products. Health insurance and Medicaid also do nothing to reduce their cost. 32 states have taken no action to exempt taxation on period products. It seems that the United States government has taken no steps to address the health care needs of over half its population. It raises the question of if this would still be the case if men also got their period monthly. Would products deemed an overwhelming necessity by menstruators everywhere still be so expensive?
Would period poverty still be an issue largely ignored by federal, state, and local governments across the nation? While period products are a large expense for many and often subject to taxation, the situation is far worse for homeless menstruators. I went into a shelter in 2005. Um, it's actually, it's a heartbreaking situation. If you have to pick and choose, do I buy food for my child or do I get my sanitary needs, that's kind of hard and no one should have to experience that. It's demeaning. It makes you feel very um, sad. It's depressing. Depending on your neighborhood where you live, you know, having to go into a store, for example, and ask for credit, the owner can tell you yes or they can tell you no. If you can't even put a loaf of bread on the table, how do you expect for a person to buy a box of tampons that may be $5 and change? I've seen and I've heard mothers do all type of things just to get money to make ends meet, going out onto the streets with their babies, in and out of trucks. What's to say you're gonna come back? What's to say your child is gonna come back? Most mothers, they will put that food on that table. The average mother will put that food on the table for their children with the last five in their pocket, and she will find other ways to get the other necessities that she needs. That was a clip from Nicole Johnson, a formerly houseless mother. She illustrates what a difficult and desperate situation it is to be a homeless menstruator in America, where you have to choose between needs like food and sanitary products. Fortunately, there are Congress people hard at work to improve America's menstrual health inequities. Congresswoman Grace Mang of New York's 6th District who has been called Congress's period lady, is actively pushing for menstrual health legislation. Under her proposed Menstrual Equity for All Act, federal agencies would address the affordability and availability of menstrual products for all, including students and homeless, incarcerated and detained individuals, low-income families, federal employees, and employees at the workplace, as well as veterans and Peace Corps volunteers. She's also called on President Biden to create a menstrual equity task force, an action the United Kingdom took back in 2019. While this bill has not been passed yet and doesn't address all issues related to menstrual health inequities in this country, it is certainly a step in the right direction. I would personally love to see a future in my country where menstruating individuals don't have to hide tampons up their sleeve like an illicit substance or vaguely beg male teachers to go to the bathroom because it's an emergency in schools. While the United States may not have the same widespread taboos that other countries do, this country is not exempt from the need to expand sex and health education. We must begin normalizing menstrual discussions in schools from a younger age in order to destigmatize menstruation on a national scale. Let's summarize the concrete solutions to period poverty around the world. These solutions include expanding menstrual and sex education, particularly in locations where stigma is the most prevalent. Education can not only help to reduce stigma, it can also change lives. A 2012 study based in Ghana showed that both providing free sanitary products alongside education, as well as education alone, increased school attendance in adolescent girls. Advocating for the removal of luxury taxes and or reducing the cost or making period products free wherever possible will help to address period poverty around the world. 
it is especially important to provide free products in locations like schools and houseless shelters. For rural and low-income communities, providing reusable menstrual products can make products lower cost and more easily accessible. In cases where reusable menstrual products are less feasible due to water scarcity, the government should be playing even more of an active role in distribution in order to ensure that menstruators have access to the products that they need to be active and fulfilled participants in their daily lives. In light of all of these gaps in menstrual health around the world, I want to highlight that destigmatization is absolutely key. It is impossible to solve this issue without first addressing cultural taboos, expanding education, and creating open and non-judgmental spaces for menstruators to share their experiences and learn about their bodies. Silence and shame surrounding menstruation are cult culturally enforced. We must commit, as a society, to bring discussions of menstruation into the public discourse, particularly via open and honest sex and health education. Empowering menstruators to feel unashamed of their period and encouraging open conversations from a younger age will help to further these solutions because, again, it is impossible to solve a problem if we don't first talk about it. The common overarching solution to combating period stigma around the world is recognizing that one's period should not and does not exclude them from any activity they wish to engage in. Education and the provision of free products are key steps in achieving this notion. We need to work together to truly shatter, demolish, and wholly remove stigmas surrounding menstruation. We've spent too long as a society levying shame onto others because of their natural bodily functions and basic human empathy demands that we bring these topics to the forefront of public discourse. There are so many people working to bring menstruation out of the shadows and make this invisible issue visible. Kiran Gandhi defied societal standards by running the 2015 London Marathon without a tampon in. Photos of the bloodstain were all over the media, and it provoked a variety of reactions. Gandhi cited her motivation for her choice. The only reason for using a tampon or a pad would be to prioritize the convenience of others, those who watched the race. I can't imagine that any guy would think like, oh, someone else could feel bad about seeing the blood when he's the one running the marathon. Students in Pakistan created a period moral on their university's campus, covering a wall with pads with statements such as this blood is not dirty written on them. Choosing to visibly and publicly display menstruation is a radical choice. Stigma persists in silence, and these kinds of actions, as dramatic as it may seem to some, are a bold and brave step in the movement to say we won't refuse to talk about this any longer. Now, let's talk about how you can help. There are so many wonderful organizations working towards destigmatizing menstruation and combating period poverty. For example, the Swedish organization Mensen organizes educational workshops, film screenings, art exhibits, and more designed to disseminate knowledge about menstruation, primarily in schools and in the workplace. Days for Girls is an organization that creates reusable handmade period kits. Approximately 60,000 volunteers around the world have worked to make the kits, and the organization even has provisions for menstruators to create the kits themselves for an income on, in impoverished locations. 
The PAD project has a similar structure where menstruators can make and sell their own products for an income. The organization also implements menstrual education and management workshops tailored to the needs of a local community. Getting involved with organizations like these, either in a fiscal or volunteer capacity, is a great way to play an active role in the movement to end period poverty and destigmatize menstruation. You can also actively and openly support legislation in favor of improving the conditions surrounding menstruation by talking to people around you and calling your representatives. But by far, the most important step anyone can take is to have conversations. Talking about periods, holding back judgment, and being a supportive ally to those in your life who menstruate, if you don't menstruate yourself, is key and will help to destigmatize menstruation across genders. Talk about periods publicly and openly while respecting other people's boundaries. Post on social media. Get involved in organizations. We have the power to create a world where menstruators everywhere no longer have to feel shame around their bodies and can manage their periods in a healthy and affordable way. The change starts with us. Thank you.